This podcast is brought to you by J.C. Licht. With a heritage of 115 years of making it happen, J.C. Licht is your one-stop shop to turn your house into your dream home, delivering the ultimate decorating experience with the world's highest quality paints from Benjamin Moore, Farrow and Ball, and fine paints of Europe, just to name a few. Bring new life to your home with custom home decor, wallpaper, window treatments, and more all under one roof. Visit one of J.C. Licht's 19 design centers, which features the largest selection of wallpaper, paint, and decor throughout the Chicagoland area. J.C. Licht, where designers go to make it happen. Welcome, everyone, to Design District, an interior design podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, with the River North Design District, Chicago's ultimate destination for interior design. And today we're at the incredible and elegant O'Brien Harris showroom in downtown Chicago. And we're talking about trends in kitchen and bath design. Our special guests are Bruce Fox, founder of Chicago interior design firm Bruce Fox Design, and Laura O'Brien, founder and principal owner of O'Brien Harris. Welcome to the show, y'all. Thank you. So excited to have you both on Design District. And we get to talk all about uh, kitchen and bath design, my two favorite places in the house, to be quite honest. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I kind of wanted to start off a, a little bit of our conversation just with getting to know you both and um, letting our listeners get to know a little bit about your background, what you do. Um, so, uh, Laura, do you want to kick us off and just... Yeah, sure. No problem. So I started my career, obviously, education in interior design. And pretty early on in my career, I was steered um, into the cabinetry space. So luxury, residential, custom furniture. Um, for the home. So kitchens, bathrooms, paneled libraries. Um, I did that pretty much right out of the gate and worked in uh, the Chicago market, down in Florida for a while, relocated to Boston, um, all for other firms, obviously. And somewhere around 2009, right after the housing market crash, I thought it would be a great time to start a business, right? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, So I went into partnership with Peter Harris, who is my business partner here at O'Brien Harris, and we started a firm. Um, we manufacture bespoke custom cabinetry, so really custom products. Um, we endeavor to create cabinetry um, with authenticity and integrity and with the spirit of longevity. So we um, are invited into um, estate-style homes, legacy-type homes, where we hope that what we create lasts for a really, really long time. Um, not only from the design side of things, but the execution, the manufacture, um, what goes into building that and how we can make it last. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. And how about you? You know, I have an interesting story about how I got into interior design, which, you know, I was in college trying to find my way and ended up studying overseas. And I was in um, Paris, Milan and London and happened to be with a bunch of interior designers. But, you know, that experience actually changed my trajectory. I came back and changed my major much to my parents' chagrin (laughs) again. And, um, you know, from then, that trip was in 1988, dare I say. And um, from there, I've never looked back. But, you know, so I now have, you know, my own firm um, based in River North and do projects all over the country, um, but mostly on the North Shore of Chicago and downtown condo situations. And I do lots of great kitchens. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So you, clearly you both are powerhouses of design and interior design. So I'm super curious. This is a super open-ended question, but um, to sort of kick things off, what, what in your opinion can make a, a kitchen, we'll talk about kitchens first, um, unique and timeless? What, what in your mind are the, are the things that make a kitchen just have that wow factor that just has longevity? It can be multiple things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'll just start by saying, you know, longevity is part of um, the architecture of the home for me. It's part of the story that you're given. So if the house um, is an old house and when was it built? And not that you have to create a period room authentic to that time, but something that feels like it's part of that structure. Right. And if you're walking into a modern environment, you know, how do you interpret that? And it's interesting. So many times we're in beautiful homes and let's say they were built in 1929 and someone in the 60s or 70s goes in and puts a really modern kitchen in because that's what they wanted to do in 1970 or 80. We're taking that out and we're not, again, bringing it back to historical accuracy, but we're bringing it back to something that feels um, of that structure. And and to me, that's what, what helps create timelessness. So it's kind of part of the, like the character and the soul of the structure, I guess, if you will. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm always listening to my clients, Mm -hmm. you know, for, you know, as an interior designer, I think, you know, you're not doing your job if you're really not listening and I'm watching, I'm listening, Mm -hmm. you know, like with your eyes and really paying attention and it's, and the design so often revolves around, you know, their desires and their needs. And it's up to you to sort of, you know, I once had a client doing a project in Wisconsin who said, I want it to feel like Wisconsin in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't going to be a glamorous kitchen, right? Not in, no. not Wisconsin 40s. in the 1940s. Right. But you take this idea and then you run with it. And, you know, the kitchen's, mag- you know, the, that end result was a magnificent, you know, custom kitchen. Um but really, you know, grabbing onto those ideas and then that synthesis of architecture and design can be such a magical thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes total sense. So, you know, sort of to, to build on that, it, a second part of that question, do you have, you know, as you're sort of creating these spaces and, and trying to listen to your clients, but also infuse some of your own, you know, experience and background, do you have almost like, specific go-tos in your own styles and and how you bring these kitchens to life? I mean, I personally don't think that I do. I mean, I think that if you look at something that's designed by me, you can always see a thread that runs through it, like that's Bruce. But, you know, if you go to my website and look at my portfolio, you will see projects that don't look anything like each other. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an Art Deco apartment and there's a Wisconsin camp and there's like an, you know, an urban art collector's apartment, you know, so it has to change. It has to, the the materiality has to change. Everything about it needs to morph to the client, to the aesthetic that, that we're all shooting for. Um, that's it. And I mean, to just to expand on that, I think, you know, um, in Bruce's first statement, you know, interviewing the client, getting to know your client, not just, your client's property, but who they are, how they're going to use the space, who's going to cook. Um, we have a, a, a ri- wide variety of 
um, users in the, some of the spaces that we create, from the homeowners themselves to a chef that they bring in or a catering team that they bring in. Um, and, you know, families grow and change over time. So listening, um, you know, knowing who we're creating for um, is why, you know, your portfolio is so diverse. And I think we have a similar, you know, aesthetic. Our, we're, we're, we're much narrower, right? We're, we're dealing with a narrow um, lens. We're dealing with kitchens and butler's pantries and master baths, cabinetry, heavy rooms, paneled libraries, you know. We had a client come to us um, who uh, grew up in Louisiana, for example, and uh, spent a lot of time in Sea Island, Georgia, at the Cloisters. And there's a particular uh, men's smoking lounge or a, a library at the Cloisters that has this Pecky Cypress paneling. Well, we had never worked with Pecky Cypress that before in our life. amazing. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, so we, um, so there was, there's two elements to this room, right? There's this Pecky Cypress um, ceiling, which if you don't know what Pecky Cypress is, it's basically worm-eaten wood, yeah. right? It's it's pitted and weird looking, but super cool. Super cool. Super yeah. cool. <laughs> um, so we did this Pecky Cypress, you know, he wanted this Pecky Cypress ceiling, and then he wanted river-reclaimed Cypress for the wall paneling. So... River Reclaimed Cypress is exactly that. It's logs that have been sitting in the water yeah. for a really long time. And um, so it's not something I ever would have done or endeavored to do without that specific ask. And that's what makes it so fun. Like yeah. every, every project is a new creation and your client is kind of the muse and you're like, okay, how do I take this information and make it awesome? Yeah. I'm writing down Pecky Cypress ceiling <laughs> because I'm going to go Google that. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to want to use it. It's bigger in the South. You it's, know, so, uh, so people from the South certainly get lot, lots more exposure to that. But it's, it's yeah. really cool material. And just in the beams, it was yeah. phenomenal. But I mean, it, you know, I feel like the recurring theme is listening to your client, understanding their needs, and also doing right by the, the soul of the, the home, right? Or yeah. the space. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm doing a library right now that's spalted maple. Do you know what spalted, spalted maple? maple. Another, I know okay, there's writing it down. <laughs> but you know, you know, it's this maple that has these black streaks through it, and cool. it's really artistic and really interesting. And you know, again, it was a client, and you know, he had brought it up that his father has all this maple on a up in the UP, you know, that's wow. spalted. And I'm like, we should do your library in that. And you know, and of course, you know, he's like, let's do it. I own the wood. That's yeah. awesome. You know, it was just a cool thing. Yeah, that's great. You know, speaking of materials and these really cool and interesting, um, you know, this wood and, and th things that you use to create these spaces, um, do you all think that there's a, a certain, um, you know, I've seen, a, like, for example, a lot of cabinetry and just woodwork that I feel like is kind of going through a shift in trends right, right now, or at least in the past couple of years, right? What do you think right now is that, where do you see that shift going? Um, and better yet, where do you see the, the new upcoming trends, specifically in kitchen design? Well, I think there's a couple things that are happening kind of simultaneously. Um, there's definitely, uh, at least in my world, and maybe it's just the people who gravitate towards me, um, but there's this desire to have something that's organic, right, that's natural, um, obviously, we deal in wood, right? Trees. Um, you can't get much more natural than that. Um, we turn them into beautiful cabinetry. But um, the desire to have something that's connected to the earth, I think. Um, so whether that's, you know, like this maple library that you're doing, like you're exposing the grain, you're seeing what that tree did. Um, it's like there's a desire to connect 
because we're so disconnected sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that trend towards more natural, organic right. um, finishes, um, definitely, you know, natural stones, handmade tiles, um, pieces of hardware that are like made in a foundry versus a right. factory that's overseas. Like you can experience those things, you know, in the same way that you can experience a watch that's handmade or a piece of jewelry that's bespoke, you know, it's like people want to connect to people right. and to nature. Right. I, I think you're spot on, you know, because in, in my buzz, I'm, do, I'm doing a, you know, an entire house with, of course, with an architect, a great architect. Um, and, you know, my buzzword for this project is texture. And that's what they're looking for, whether it's the leathered stone tops on the countertop. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, this client's attracted to um, soapstone, which, you know, if, you know, everybody's always doesn't want their, their countertops to mark, but soapstone mm -hmm. inherently marks, yeah. you know, yeah. move a glass across it and you get up. Yeah. You know, so it's really all this texture and there's going to be wood beams and there's going to be, you know, a combination of painted finishes with wood finishes, you know, so that you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. And specifically this client was like, I don't want a effing white kitchen, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, because, you know, that's just something that has played out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And you know, the, you mentioned, you know, soapstone and uh, you know, I feel like you always hear about the the debate between you know quartz and marble, quartzine, porcelain, just things that last and have durability, right? But it seems to me that there's definitely, as part of that movement, um, you know, a, a larger focus on on things that have a bit more imperfection and a bit more, you know, of that raw quality to it, right? So have you have you experienced that in the designs that you've how many times, Bruce, have you worked with like a non-organic material in a kitchen, like a countertop, like quartz um, or man-made material? And not very often, but you know, when I do, it's because a client specifically right. is asking for it, and they're like, "Look, I'm not messing around. I cook in my kitchen." Right. They're like, "We want it easy. We want it. You know, we want. Yeah. We want it. We don't. They, they just don't want to deal with the problems. Yeah. So then that material goes in." And I get it. My house, I have a house in Michigan and the countertops are like Corian or something. You know, mm -hmm. I don't exactly know, but I can chop on them. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of a, I don't know. You know, I also, in my, my city kitchen, I have marble and I don't care if it's etched. I don't care if it's marked. You know, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. But I would say up until recently, my answer to that would be almost never. Actually, it would have been never. 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 Yeah. Um, and I used to think I was a snob as it relates to that. And, and for a really long time, I mean, I've been doing this for over half my life. Um, for a really long time, there wasn't a viable alternative. So it's one thing if you had a bathroom vanity and you did a quartz countertop and the vanity's 48 inches. The beauty of the room usurps that one 40 inch piece of stone, 48 inch piece of stone. Right. But in a kitchen, it's different, right? This, the islands are big and the countertops are sweeping and it, it, it adds to the flavor of what's happening. And to put that fake flavor on your real situation right. didn't feel good. Yeah. Um, but I had a recent client who was doing a condo. Um, it was um, obviously for them to live in when they were in town, but there was potential rental opportunities going forward. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, you know, we want to spend a lot of money on this unit. And when we're here, we want it to be beautiful. But if we 
rent it to our friends or someone else stays here. We don't want to have them worry about it. And they really forced me to research um, materials that were different. And through that, um, I can't name the brands right now, but through that I found some viable options, like some quartzes that looked really good, to be honest. Um, and a por- porcelain, like have you dealt with porcelain countertops? I have not, but so they're pretty amazing. I walked into the showroom and I saw these slabs and I thought to myself, this is real. And they're like, no, Laura, we take a picture and then we <laughs> put it on this porcelain and that's what you're looking at. But the picture is so real. I mean, it's real. Like you see the veining and yeah. all the details. And, and then, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. So I would say, you know, my snobbery aside, like I'm now more open because I took the time to find, okay, there's a basket full of resources here that would work given this. Well, and I think that the trick behind that, right? Like the kitchen that I did that had the, the quartz, you know, the solid surface material, mm-hmm. not natural you know, we countered it in other ways, right. you know, like the hood had to be great. And right. I think we tiled the entire kitchen, like floor to ceiling, you know, so that you Look got all that here. texture and it's like, yeah, <laughs> Look over here. Let me distract you from the, you know, well, and their, and their entire kitchen island was a butcher block because they were real cooks and they're like, Perfect. Right here, we want the butcher, you know, Perfect. so there it came in. Perfect. Right. Yeah. It's a great solution. Yeah. 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 yeah I've definitely, you know, for, for me, I'm personally, I love a kitchen that feels lived in. Right. I've been to dinner parties where you see the stone and you can see the etch marks from the from the knives, right? From from cooking. And there's just something so raw and kind of warm about that, which I feel like it's definitely be, become a thing, right? As you kind of you build kitchens, you build homes that feel like with time they're gonna look more lived in. Well, and we romanticize the Italian kitchen, you know, yeah. that's like piece a giant chunk of Carrara that they've been <laughs> yeah. shopping on yeah. for you know they don't care if it's shiny they don't care right. if it's perfect they care that it's real yeah I think one of the things is you know balancing that um, something that's beautiful with something that's also durable yeah. and I usually have that conversation with our clients and you know we kind of talk about like what are the things that you find beautiful and then are you willing to sign up for the maintenance plan because that's what it is. Yeah. It's really not a disaster. It's like, are you willing to sign up for what's going to happen, the maintenance plan here? And if you are, then you should live with those things because we maintain everything else in our lives. We maintain our cars and our clothes. You know, our clothes and, you know. So maintaining your countertop, if you love it and it's beautiful, is achievable. Yeah. Just Somebody dis- comes in and just takes decide care of it. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I, ha- I have a bit of a random question going off of, you know, materials and things that look lived in. Uh, I, I went to a dinner party here in, uh, in Lincoln Park uh, to a friend's house and their, the hood in their kitchen looked like it had to have been put in with a, a forklift. Have you ever, or better yet, um, it, have you ever, yeah, have you ever had an experience where there's just that one thing that your client just had to have or maybe was passed down that you were just like, I, I don't know how we're going to get this in or, or better yet had, you know, it was so unique that it just kind of, I don't know, was a bit, almost a, a bit of a statement piece in, in the kitchen. Well, I can speak to hoods. Yeah. That's what I know. <laughs> I know we've done a lot of hoods. Um, I think a couple things, you know, the, the trend right now is it, as it relates to like when you look at a cooktop elevation or when you look at a range mm-hmm. elevation, um, there are these beautiful, you know, there's no upper cabinetry anymore, right? There's, there's this just beautiful 
long sweeping line of something above this cooktop. Well, this something has to like vent, right? It has right. to actually have a function. So um, we've literally done hoods that are 129 inches long and we've had oh, to, wow. out of metal, and we've had to seam them with other pieces of metal because the metal doesn't come that long. And, um, and it's taken like nine guys to bring it in the house. And then it's taken lifts to lift it up because it has to be, you know, about six feet above yeah. the ground before you install it. Um, so we've had some really interesting situations. Um, and my coworker here recently is doing a project in a vintage co-op on Lakeshore Drive. And um, the hood, we weren't sure the hood was going to fit in the elevator. It's a vintage elevator. It's oh, not no. big. <laughs> and um, our one of our project managers here had to build a model of the hood out of like styrofoam. So like back to your architecture school days, your yeah, interior design yeah. days, building models, um, a life-size model of the hood. And we had to take it over the building and we had to put it in the elevator and we had to physically move it through the space. So um, hoods are a thing, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Hoods are a thing. Hoods are a thing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I don't specifically have any like crazy. I mean, I did design a hood for a client that was based on um, a Danish sculptor, Yus oh, wow. Standerson. You know, we wanted those kind of the details from his sculpture. Right. I mean, he he makes lamps and you know small things, um, but I mean, I I am a huge fan of his work. But this whole this whole um, hood was was based on on his work, and. You know, I did come down to that at the that's end. That's pretty like, cool. Is it gonna? Is it okay. gonna? Um, that's pretty cool. Is, how's that? How's that stay on the wall? Yeah. Is the clients asking? And I'm like, oh, it's nothing. You know, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. I'm writing down you, Standerson, because I want to. Oh find yeah, out. he's so fun. You'll you'll <laughs> see. I'll be yeah. designing hoods after him pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Um, sort of shifting gears a little bit, just since we are talking about baths as well. Um, we were talking about stone and just the different. Uh, materials and, and you know different types of stones and baths are a totally different totally different ballpark right i mean these things are yeah. suffer extreme temperatures and humidities and um how do you sort of figure out what the best materials are you know when you're designing a bath because when you know i, I feel like there's a lot of similarities and functionality between the two spaces but it's two totally completely different worlds yeah well you know they are completely different, but we're using kind of the same materials. It's, right. you know, solid surface. And, you know, the conversation always comes to like, am I going to do slabs in my shower? Because there's no grout lines. <laughs> isn't that amazing? Well, That's isn't amazing. that like super expensive? Yes, it is. I mean, I literally had it's a client fabulous. say to me yesterday, like, we have to replace this tile. And I think we should use slabs. And I'm like, cha-ching. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, I'll go back to that, you know, the quartz material again, because yeah. I just finished a bathroom where we use quartz in the shower and we did a beautiful floor of real, of real marble. Mm -hmm. um, distracting. Just, yeah. It's distracting. distracting. And the quartz just sort of wraps in the shower and comes out and is the baseboards and you go in there and it's, it's just so quiet. It all goes yeah. away. It's, and it's bomb proof. And this is what the client was like. I'll never you know, they didn't want to do the maintenance. They won't do the maintenance. They're not going to. You could tell. They're just never going to do it. We just want it to look pretty for eternity. And I'm like, well, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. 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 I would say this, you know, as it relates to, you know, bathrooms, and I'm just going to focus on master baths, right? That's kind of what we're talking yeah. about, or primary right. bathrooms, primary. as we right. call them now. Yeah. Um, it's the place where you start and end your day. So you're the homeowner, right? You're the owner of the property. 
Um, it's where you start and end your day. So to me, you know, the constraints are, are, are off. The cuffs are off, right? You don't have the same pressure on you that you do in a kitchen, right? The pressure is a little bit less, right? Um, you still have a box that you still have to fill right. and there's a little bit of function, but you can be f- more free, I think, with the design aesthetic and you can really have the beauty of it mm-hmm. or what you love um, shine through. And when you wake up in the morning and you start your day and you go about your business and all the money you've created to pay for where you live, you should be brushing your teeth feeling really good, right? Yeah. It should be be- beauty over everything else to me in a bathroom. Yeah. Well, and I think that bathrooms aren't always beautiful, you know, and I've had an opportunity to, to work and you know, design some bathrooms that are actually truly beautiful rooms, mm-hmm. you know, because they're like, oh, we can't put wallpaper in there, you know. You know, we were proposing the Japanese handmade paper, oh, not sorry. even wallpaper, yeah. right? I mean, it's just in another stratosphere. Another yeah. stratosphere. Yeah. But, you know, being able to use those materials and then, like, bring in the wood and bring in the, you know, real mosaic tiles, you know, as a decorative thing in the middle of the, of, of the bathroom floor and making it a room, yeah. not just like a place to go in and be sanitary. Right. You know, it, can, it actually can be so much more. Yeah. 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 No, that makes total sense. And... Um, Laura, you mentioned something that kind of sparked a thought for me um, when you're talking about the freedom to design and do what you want with that, the place that you start in in your day. Whereas in a kitchen, I feel like there's sort of tried and true layouts and how, where things might go. Do you, do you feel like those layouts are more constraining than they are um, helpful when you're designing a kitchen? Interesting. So I don't, ever think about um, a conventional layout when I look at a room. I think about the room that's in front of me. And one of the things that I was never good at in college was painting. Like I couldn't get an entirely blank canvas, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So I'm given a room. And a lot of times I'm given the room early on, like the architectures, the architects kind of conceiving the house and the house is developing and people come to us early on saying, hey, can you take a look at this? Can you make sure this room's going to work for us? And here's our hopes and dreams. Um, I think it's important to look at that room and to decide what's going to balance it. How is that room going to be balanced um, in every vista, right? If I look at the range wall, if I look at the refrigerator wall, as I'm experiencing, as I walk from the front of my house to the back of my house, like what am I seeing? And how can I compose that um, in a logical, organized way? Because that organization is actually what creates calm, in my opinion. Having center lines, having things that are balanced. They don't have to be symmetrical, but they have to balance. Right. Um, So I don't think I succumb to... I mean, look, the most functional layout ever in a kitchen is a galley kitchen. Right. No one's going to argue. And I had one for years in the city of Chicago in my condo, and it was awesome. But the rooms that we're creating are beyond that. And it's interesting because you often get asked, well, I don't want to walk there. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Or well, how, how many? St- you need a smaller room. You need a smaller room. Right. But we're not in those homes. Right. So you, you, you do what you can, but you also look at... Um, how is this? How is this room from an interior standpoint, not just a functional standpoint? How am I going to experience it? How are my guests going to experience it visually? Right. I think it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Chris? I mean, that's really interesting because 
I drag with me my college days always and always think about that triangle, triangle. the yeah. work triangle. <laughs> um, you know, in a kitchen I'm working on right now, the refrigerator is, I think it's 25 feet away from the range. And I'm just like throwing up red flags. I'm like, yeah. you know, it's 25 feet. You go to the refrigerator uh-huh. and back and it's 50 feet. You know, you do it twice and, you know. You don't have to go work out because you've got your, you got your <laughs> Apple watch that's going to like give you a green flag. And then, I'm like, and then I'm like, do you want do you want stone floors? Are you sure you want those stone floors? Because, you know, those are hard. They're hard on your knees. And um, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny. I do, you know, I, I think about I think about the balance and the yeah. and the beauty of the room too, but I always do drag along that, you know, that triangle that was driven uh-huh. into our heads. I love and it. there's a number that you are not supposed to exceed, you know. I've forgotten the number, yeah, but ref- I know that there yeah, was one. Yeah, refrigerator to uh-huh. sink uh-huh. to stove oh, is wow. supposed to be like 20 feet or something. I, I was know. not good at math, so I would be <laughs> terrible at that. But yeah, I mean, I, I you know, like like you're saying, the, the triangle sort of reference, right? Um, I feel like I've seen a lot more kitchens that sort of break that golden rule and are going more towards a zone design almost because I feel like it's, things are sort of in culture a little bit different, right? You're not, uh, a lot of homes aren't really focused on the functionality of the three main pieces and they're really more focused on zones and how, how that kitchen sort of gets used by the, by family or by, you know, couples or whoever the the occupants right so um do you find that you're doing a lot more of that sort of like just free-flowing zone to where you're designing and creating areas within a kitchen versus almost a more functional mathematical thing or have you seen that at all well we're certainly doing both both i mean yeah because there's people that are like i'm not in the kitchen my chef is in the kitchen like you know this is not about you know this is about them preparing food in a logical way you know so it has to function more like you know a commercial kitchen in a sense um you know so we've gone there and done that um but also you know certainly in this kitchen that i'm talking about it's more freeform you know they have they have a we're going to be doing this 60 inch wide five feet wide sink in front of the window right that has two faucets you know so that you know you know, because there used to be this thing where everybody put a, a silly little sink in the island so that there were, clo- I mean, it was ridiculous, right? I mean, right. like nobody used it. And then they, you know, like, oh, we chill champagne in It was there. a glorified you know, ice bucket. It was. Yeah. It's a freaking yeah. ice bucket. Yeah, exactly. You know, so now, you know, now we see the, you know, like I'm seeing this, you know, giant sink that people are going to with two faucets and you can both be in there and you can get, you know, whatever you need. But it makes sense because if, you know, if you really use a kitchen... You know, it's great to have somebody cleaning up when you're cooking and, you know, being able to, right. to do multifunction. You know, one of the interesting, um, so a challenge I think that's happening lately, at least in uh, new construction and architects that are designing new homes, right? So renovations are different. You're given a, a you know, finite amount of space and there you go. But a lot of these new homes are, there's a concept of a back kitchen. Bruce, I'm sure you've seen this a million times already. A million times, yeah. So um, it depends on the family, right? So there's this concept of the back kitchen, which is like you have this beautiful, glorified, awesome space that's never supposed to look like anyone's used it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then everything happens behind the wall, right, in a back kitchen. Sometimes the back kitchen's connected via sliding panels or things that allow people to transfer things back and forth. Um, And a lot of times I challenge that concept with my clients. Like you really have to drill into, well, 
what are you doing in this back kitchen? Are you just going to go back there when you need to bake cookies with your daughters? Is that what's happening in the back kitchen? <laughs> and we had one client recently who was like, no, 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 I'm going to do everything back there. You're going to do everything back wow. there with your family, your kids, who are little, right? You're going to leave the room and go behind the wall and you're going to do everything. And it really took some time and some conversations to kind of get to a point of, well, no, that's not realistic. Like on my daily, I need to be with my three-year-old and my seven-year-old and my nine-year-old. And so um, so some of, you know, everything was going to go in the back kitchen. And now we're like, well, everything doesn't really go in the back kitchen or you're going to be walking back there all the time and you're going to hate it. Um, so the back kitchen's great. I'm not saying it's not. Um, but learning who your audience is and what's right. going to happen there is super important. And so to your point, I think you, you talk a lot. Again, it goes back to asking questions, learning about your audience, who's your client, and um, you know, creating those zones um, more so than how few steps can I take between my sink and my range. Right. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting because we did a kitchen, um, gosh, it's got to be like 15 years ago, and it was a empty nest situation so mm -hmm. they were building a house that they were going to retire in and they did not cook so it did have a back what we called a catering kitchen mm -hmm. so it was that kitchen in the back but they of just a few years ago called and said yeah but now all the kids are grown up and they want to come to our house and they want to cook, cook. Yeah. we want to cook <laughs> like a family in the house so we tore out the back kitchen and expanded the kitchen so that it was you know like a regular kitchen yeah. so that the, when they were all there they could enjoy it yeah. and, and be around the island. Yeah. And um, it, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was such a such a cool thing to see it reverse. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. I love yeah, it. it seems that the the ongoing theme is, you know, it's it's personal. It, it's really all about 100 percent the, yeah. the people that live and, and do their thing in the kitchen, right? Which For absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as you were sort of talking about the the uh, this kitchen that, you know, the different parts of life and kids coming back, it sort of made me think about, you know, like as you're designing a kitchen, how do you balance something, you know, that is functional and has durability with it being beautiful? So when you're designing, um, you know, whether it's a kitchen or a bath, how do you find that balance? What are, do you ever feel like you have to almost make compromises to get one versus the other? Or do you really put a little bit more of a North Star, if you will, on one area versus the other i mean i can respond to that to say that i don't think that you can prioritize one over the other i mean i think it has to be both it always has mm -hmm. to be both because if your kitchen's not functional then you know then you have to tear it out and start over yeah i would say one of the benefits of you know um, technology and being able to draw things in a computer generated system is you know back in the day you used to draw things by hand you used to take a long time to, to do it and now we can render things in multiple iterations and we can have those conversations with the client. And I, and I actually do that a lot of times. I, I would say, look, you know, here's, here's a couple things that happen if we go beauty first, right? If we go beauty first, if we want the best looking kitchen ever, here's the compromise. And here's what it looks like. Here's what it's going to function like if we, if we do it in reverse. And we make those decisions together, right? you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. And do you find that technology is more often than not helpful versus not because i know that there's like ai and there's like 3d and there's there's all these crazy new tools that can help you visualize but i've also been on the other side of things where you're like oh 
well, it doesn't really look like that. How do you guys communicate your drawings? Well, you know, I mean, I think over the past, I guess I'll call it the past five to seven years, like firms have popped up that are just doing that. Mm -hmm. And they can render your room. I mean, you give them the furniture, you give them the fabrics, you give them, you know, whether it's fabrics or whether it's yeah. the kitchen, right? right? They can absolutely render it. And it looks amazing. And you tell them where you want the sun to be. Like, what's the day? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, this is what your kitchen looks like <laughs> yeah. on January 15th. I want to wake yeah. up to this sun every right. day. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a little, you know, that's a little more <laughs> difficult. But, you know, we could at least, you know, so I think that technology has come so far. And there's people doing that work overseas and, you know, um, that are doing it so quickly because they have masses amount of people doing it. I still prefer to do it at home, but, um, or, you know, even in-house. But before we used to do watercolor renderings but yeah. now you send it away yeah, and then they yeah, send it and you yeah. fix it and you yeah so for us you know what bruce does um you know touches a lot of other things right it touches rugs and wallpaper and fabrics and a lot of other soft things that we don't we don't have to touch and you know you always want to be communicating with your clients so that at the end they see what you see and they're going to be happy um, but historically speaking, you know, we've been able to communicate our drawing work in a two-dimensional way. So a floor plan and elevations, um, again, always com computer generated in terms of an AutoCAD program, which then would interface with the architects that we're working with. All that's awesome. Um, it has never been an issue. No one's really ever asked me for a rendering up until recently. Really? Interesting. And what's happening is it's actually fantastic. So a lot of the, you know, higher caliber architects in the Chicago market, you know, they're hiring, no offense, but young people who, like, it's second nature to create these interior models. And it's fantastic. You can walk through the home. You can see where your beams are. You can kind of walk through how you're going to flow. And so then they come to the kitchen and they're like, well, I need to see my kitchen like that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shoot. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, so we're getting pushed. And it's exciting, actually. I mean, it's not a dread. It's definitely going to be fun. Yeah, you're not doing it. Yeah, what I mean. are you doing? I'm not, I'm, oh, God forbid. I can't even run the plotter. No offense. But no, I'm just like, no, I can't do it. Um, so yeah, so we're, um, I mean, we're excited about the opportunity to communicate um, and for example, if you were designing a room with multiple finishes, right, the kitchen that we're sitting in right now has a, an oak, you know, wood finish mixed with the painted finish. Well, sometimes clients ask us, well, what would that look like in, in, in the inverse? What would that look like reversed? And you'd have the opportunity to, to kind of view those things. Um, so we're heading in that direction, maybe a little behind the eight ball, but yeah. it's fun. Yeah, hopefully they have cypress ceiling options exactly. for wood <gasps> in those uh, 3D renderings. We'll make sure they do. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, that makes that makes total sense, and that's pretty cool. I mean, this sort of is kind of the Pinterest Instagram culture we live in, where you want to see it before you live in it or design it. So it, it makes absolute sense. Um, so sort of to to kind of close out uh, our, our our chat and in, in this podcast, I wanted to throw a, um, a big question out there for for each of you. Um, what do you think is is the big trend for twenty twenty two twenty twenty three? Um, in kitchen design and bath design, what do you sort of see that 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 next big thing that's that you're you're kind of seeing starting to come up, but you think is going to start making a, a little bit bigger of a splash? What do you think? You know, for me, I always go back to 
I mean, I think it's kind of, for me, that's the conversation we were having before natural materials. I mean, I think that people are, are starting to really gravitate towards that. They want to see the wood. Right. They don't necessarily want it painted. They want to feel the texture of the stone. You know, we don't want it polished to an inch of its life, so we have to maintain it, you know, for eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's left with the, the, you know, the leathered finishes on marble are fantastic. Um, so I think, I think that that is really, you know, to my mind where it's going. And that, of course, and the fact that, you know, I'm constantly working with people that get visions for, you know, how they want to live their lives. Right. So that complete customization of what somebody wants because, you know, ultimately, I'm not living in your kitchen. I'm living in my kitchen. Um, and if you want what you want, I mean, my job is to edit it mm-hmm. and make it the best it can be and, yeah. and to, to give you alternatives and to, and, and to really work and make it, you know, spectacular. Right. And, you know, like, that's bespoke, right? right. I mean, that's what we do. Right. I think um, you know, that's always a tricky question, and you get asked <laughs> it if you're on a panel or speaking at any event. You know, what's the next trend? Here's the thing. Um, you want things to be relevant, but you don't want them to be trendy. These are expensive rooms. These are, these are rooms that have to last. It's not, you know, do your, do your fun, trendy thing in your light fixture or in some way, shape, or form that can kind of move and, and, and be nimble. A your kitchen's pillow. not. Your pillow. Your pillows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one of the things, just to say, one of the things that I feel like I'm getting asked more frequently, and if I think about when I'm being asked, it's usually new construction, right? Because I always mm-hmm. differentiate between whether I'm renovating a property or it's new. Um, they don't want the kitchen to look like a kitchen. Interesting. And so much so that... We're doing two, pro- well, we finished one project. So let me just give you, so the example is new construction home, um, suburban Chicago market, beautiful, beautiful property. Um, don't want the kitchen to look like a kitchen. Want the cabinetry to just blend seamlessly, want horizontal grain on this really organic wood, and they don't want any hardware. Okay, any hardware. Well, oh. that's great. Yeah. I can figure out how you're going to open your cabinets without hardware, but I'm not sure how are you gonna open your dishwasher or your refrigerator? So the interesting thing is appliance companies, I mean, there's a knock to open dishwasher, literally like, and then the dishwasher oh, opens. Yeah, that's happening. It's happening. The robots. The push to touch, you, you just touch the panel on your refrigerator and yeah. it pops open. It seems like a great idea. Well, that print is always gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> People are gonna be knocking on that dishwasher and it's yeah. not gonna be opening. There's gonna be a shiny spot. <laughs> exactly. Or it's not gonna work. But I think that, that um, and if you, if you go to find it, if you look at um, fashion-forward kitchens, like kitchens that aren't supposed to be kitchens, they just happen to have a, a cooktop and a faucet right. in them, um, they, they, they blend into the paneling of the room or they blend in, like there's no hardware, there's nothing that's going to tell you this is a kitchen. And it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Well, in- yeah. You see those islands, right? Those islands that are made out of one slab of marble, and they cut it really thin, and then yeah. they cover the entire yeah. envelop the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, and then there you don't. You're like it's. It looks How? like it's a giant slab, a giant block <laughs> of marble. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but it all opens up to expose, you know, yeah. your cutlery drawer. So okay. I think I think that's one trend. And then I honestly think that there's going to be a little bit of a throwback. I mean, my my business partner Peter Harris is British, um, and we have this affinity for um, 
you know, kind of classic English kitchens, not goopy or syrupy, but like just that true English proportion. Um, and again, if you start to look towards towards that, we have a couple new construction projects right now where they come to us with these English-inspired kitchens and they're young families. And I'm like, oh my God, this is... That's so cool. Fantastic. I love it's that. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it. Throwback design, relevant, but not necessarily trendy, texture and natural finishes. I love all of that. So again, we're super appreciative of O'Brien Harris's showroom in beautiful downtown Chicago for having us and letting us host Design District and uh, our two awesome guests, Bruce Fox with Bruce Fox Design and Laura O'Brien with O'Brien Harris. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. We enjoyed hosting you. This has been an utter pleasure. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at O'Brien Harris Cabinetry. Laura and Jonathan, it was such an amazing experience to be here. And please follow me on Instagram at Bruce Fox Design. This has been Design District. Design District is brought to you by JC Licht. With a heritage of 115 years of making it happen, JC Licht is your one-stop shop to turn your house into a dream home, delivering the ultimate decorating experience with the world's highest quality paints from Benjamin Moore, Pharaoh and Ball, and fine paints of Europe, just to name a few. Bring new life to your home with custom home decor, wallpaper, window treatments, and more, all under one roof. Visit one of JC Licht's 19 design centers, which features the largest selection of wallpaper, paint, and decor throughout the Chicagoland area. JC Licht, where designers, Go to make it happen.